Final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thank you for downloading the Final Furlong podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! How the hell are you, my friend? Good. Alive. <laughs> New top hat and tails for this year. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Peter T. Fornital from Yo. one of the best American racing podcasts. And I'm not just saying that because Kevin and I make a cameo appearance on that show. But you really should be listening to In The Money Players Podcast, which is absolutely fantastic. And you are on Sky Sports Racing for the entire week. For the first time, Sky Sports Racing broadcasts every single race from Royal Ascot Live. I'm sure you've already seen the promos in Sky Sports Main Event and Sky One, Sky Atlantic even. Uh, But it's fantastic to see. And it's going to be a mighty, mighty week. And you're going to have a lot to talk about. But let's steal your insight right now. But we are going to begin... I have to say with Kevin Blake. Uh, Sunday Sovereign is entered for the Norfolk Stakes as we record uh, this podcast. He's currently around about 4-1 to one at the races. There's then Mavin at 6-1 to one and as fast at 7s. And we can completely ignore Monarch of Egypt because in your stable tour with Aidan O'Brien uh, for attheraces.com, Aidan O'Brien confirmed he will be going for the railway stakes and not Royal Ascot. So, my man, as we look ahead to day three, the opening juvenile race, group two, over the five furlongs on what should be, we hope, good to fast ground, what is your most likely bet at this stage? Um, it's bomb-proof. Uh, we mentioned them briefly on the day one podcast uh, as being the horse who beat my selection for the Coventry, uh, Minoski. And, you know, the, the Windsor Castle is a potential for him as well. He'll be entered in both, but I just wouldn't be at all surprised if they go for the Norfolk and, and I hope to silence that phone. And um, and I and I hope they go and I hope they go for the Norfolk. <laughs> Apologies, Siri has been going a bit nuts with uh, updates. Can continue on, Kevin. Uh, we told you to silence the phone before we went, we went live. <laughs> Apologies, everybody. <laughs> Keep going, Kevin. Um, and he, like it's it's a funny thing, you know. The, the Norfolk is a Group Two, and the the Windsor Castle is a listed race. But it, it's not unheard of for the Norfolk to be nearly an easier race to win than the Windsor Castle. The Windsor Castle tends to have a massive field. The Norfolk is a little, little bit more select. And um, if he was mine, I'd definitely go for the Norfolk, for sure. Um, really like his debut. Um, beat Minoski as mentioned, um, who came out and won his next start by six lengths. Um, Summer Sands was was nearly four lengths back in third. He came out and won at Beverly at the weekend, and Sun Power, who was nearly seven lengths back in fifth, came out and won next time as well. So it looks like very warm form. Um, on the clock, it was electric. Bomb, bombproof put up uh, closing sectionals that would um, set your eyes on fire if you looked at it in the wrong circumstances. Um, and I think he's just a very fast two-year-old that really knows what he's doing. He's very forward, very precocious. Um, you know, Jeremy Nasida, this could be a dream exit from the training ranks for him. He's going to be one of two runners for him during the week. And um, I just really like the horse. I really like the horse. I hope to go for the Norfolk. He's um, like 12 to 1. Uh, he'll certainly be half that um, and probably shorter if he does go here. Uh, because I suspect this race will chop up just a little bit and uh, he'll be amongst the leading fancies, I strongly suspect. So I hope he goes here uh, and I'd very much be with him if he does. Okay. There is a, an interesting postscript 
as we look at, at Royal Ascot, because we were talking about the Coventry with Peter for our, our day one preview. And through looking at that race, you see that actually a lot of the horses that Jeremy Nasida has in his care have already been rehoused. Um, we knew that this was going to be his, his final outing, but we weren't entirely certain that you know, what was going to happen to the others. Charlie Fellows seems to be a, a big beneficiary of this. Uh, Susan Roy has sent a, a good number to him by the looks of things. She's been essentially his main backer um, for quite some time, but it's unusual circumstances for Jeremy Nasida to be bowing out for any trainer to be retiring at this stage. But if Bombproof was to go and... Um, and finish up his career by winning this race. Well, it would be some farewell for a trainer of, of immense talent. Pop quiz, hot shot. When was the last Group 1? In what year did Jeremy Nassi the last one at Group 1? I will also include grade ones. Ooh, oh, you've given it away clue? there. It was a... Will, no, Wilco? No? No. Go on. More recent than that. Uh, so it's obviously a grade one. Uh, I'm actually cheating here, and if if I if what, I'm, don't, what I'm cheating don't is Google. correct, there's no one would ever get that. If if the don't Google it, did okay, you Google it? I think I, yeah, I'm looking at it here, but uh, I think that was very unreasonable. No one would ever get that correct Pete, if, if I'm looking at the same answer as you. Peter are. T. Fornatel, what was the last year that Jeremy Nasida trained a winner and be honourable and ethical? I, I, Wilco is the name that popped to mind, that Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but that was all the way back in, what, 2004, and I'm, I, I think you would have copped to it if it was that one, so I think I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, if you, put, if, you, if you put this up as a quiz question, it's a one percenter. Not many people are getting this right. I'm saying this, <laughs> I'm saying this now, and you should remember this for the Final Furlong Podcast Christmas quiz, because I'm sure it'll turn up. Name the last winner that Jeremy Nasita trained and year. 2010. Really? Yeah. What do you have? You're, you're going with San Frontiers. Yeah. Yeah, that's incorrect, my friend. Oh, what are you saying? Uh, a horse called Western Aristocrat in the Jamaica Handicap Grade 1. Jesus Christ. <laughs> in 2011. Oh. <laughs> I gave it to you. I thought I was doing a trick question and I reversed it on myself. No! <laughs> That's too funny. I thought I was... <laughs> because nobody would ever get that right. I thought I was reverse engineering it. I was thought I was doing a trick question on you. This will really plague him now if I say that. Oh, Western dang it. Western aristocrat, my God. I uh, should have gotten that, to be fair. You, you but... should. You're our international racing expert. You absolutely should have. Uh, are you God. 100% sure about that, Kev? Um, yes, uh, as, as long as the database I'm looking at is correct, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm sticking with 2010, <laughs> and it will be a bone of contention for the Christmas quiz. But have a look at the uh, the entries for some of the races during the week, particularly for Susan Roy, because they've already gone. They've left the yard already. So uh, you're going to go with the dream ending, so for Jeremy Nasida's career, uh, with Bombproof, who, as I see right now and at the races, is available at 12s as a, as a big price. Um, and hopefully that is the race he's going to go for, and you make a good point. The, the Windsor Castle does tend to be as equally, if not even more competitive. We're going to have the Wesley Ward invasion, as is now uh, traditional. One of his big guns, unfortunately, is out of the Queen Mary, but he still has quite a team, Peter T. Fornatel, including Anna's Fast. Is this going to be her target? 
I mean, I'm not sure. I, he's been very, even now, they, they did their works, they, they talked to the press again this morning, and he's being very uh, coy about where the Phillies are going to end up. The one I know, well, I say I know, the one I'm pretty sure is going to run in the Norfolk, and it makes a lot of sense, and I like is Maven. This is from the first crop of American Pharaoh. So that's a, a potential really important uh, implications in the breeding market for Maven to go there. They passed on running in a dirt spot for Maven during the Belmont Stakes Festival where the horse would have been four to five. And they decided not to go there and to run on the turf at Ascot instead. I think they're doing this. I think there's a, a method to the seeming madness. And I think they think that the horse is not only going to run well, but this could be a great uh, a great marketing tool uh, when it comes to their their new stallion, American Pharaoh. I am, uh, and, and the numbers are good for the horse. The, the the dirt race came back with a good figure, finished up well, which isn't something you always see with these young wards. A lot of times they just blitz and they hang on. This horse finished with something left in the tank, it appeared to me, and the subsequent workout on turf looked really good. So Maven looks square to me at six to one. Not sure he probably will have something else end up here, whether it's Anna's Fast or Chili Petten, where we're going to have to wait and see till we get a little bit closer. But regardless, it's Maven for me and the Norfolk from here. And we know by now that five furlongs at Royal Ascot for Wesley Ward is just a gold mine. I mean, that's that's where he's really cleaned up in, in recent years. So is Maven the first ever winner by American Pharaoh, by the way, off the top I of my head? I think Monarch of Egypt, Monarch of Egypt, who was originally being pointed for this race, was maybe the day before or a couple of days before, but they're both among the first Pharaoh winners. I was really hoping this was going to end up being a clash of the Pharaoh babies and was yeah. disappointed to hear about Monarch of Egypt being rerouted. I, I will challenge that and make myself look an idiot again and, well, I normally do, and be wrong and say that Maven won first and then uh, that the first Northern Hemisphere winner was, was well, the first European winner was uh, Monarch of Egypt. But uh, I'm willing to be corrected on that. Uh, six to one is the price about Maven. If he does go here, that's too big in your mind. I think so. I, I mean, based on Ward's record in the race and the pedigree here, it's interesting. Ward, this is year number 11, and it just seems like bloodline-wise, they're getting they're getting better and better. And again, I really like the fact that this one wasn't just a it wasn't just a tactical advantage of okay, this one can go faster than others. I think the European market is catching up in some ways in terms of the early speed. The fact that this one still packed a little bit of a punch in the lane, I think Maven's going to take a lot of beating. Okay. Uh, lack of experience doesn't apply at all when it comes to Wesley Ward's horses. Uh, it was interesting. He was doing an interview. I apologize. I'm not sure where. It could have been TVG recently where he was saying that the reason he ended up at Royal Ascot was by pure accident. He was just looking somewhere eastbound to run his horses. And he went, it's he was amazing. quite intimidated and said, I'll roll the dice and see how we get on. And now he's got Coolmore as one of his principal owners there. It, the whole thing has transformed massively for him and long may it continue because he adds a real sense of panache and, and a sense of just general excitement when you even see him in the in the parade ring beforehand it's just like the the guy's electric and uh, his horses have been even more electric on the track so uh, we'll see what what maven can do that's going to be your selection um kev is there anything else in this race aside from bomb proof that you would like to highlight before we move on oh you'd have to give a shout to sunday sovereign as well to be fair 
um, you know, best of the Irish on paper, you'd have to say, represents uh, Paddy Toomey, you know, who has had a horse run very, a two-year-old run very well at Royal Ascot in the past. Uh, it should be remembered. Uh, Van der Decken, uh, who won at the Curra first time out and was subsequently bought by Godolphin and ran in the Coventry for Paddy and, and was only, I think he was fifth uh, behind Caravaggio. So he's not a, he might not be a, a familiar name to everyone, especially those on the on the British side of the Irish Sea. But um, he's a very serious operator, and he has been to Ascot before with a two-year-old. Um, so you'd have to give him a shout. He was he was very good at the Curra. He, he beat Arizona in in great style. You'd have to say, and went to Tipperary and had a, a relatively simple task on paper, but did it in great style uh, on ground that had turned soft. I. I, I don't think fast ground, if it is fast ground, should be a big problem for him. I think he'll be just fine. And um, and he's the standard setter, I think it's fair to say, based on those two wins. And looks to be looks to have very solid prospects. And Kevin, in your stable tour with him, you were talking about the fact that he's opened up his stable now, that he's, he's doing a little bit more. So you've mentioned the fact that Godolphin have bought a horse there before from him, but he's really going for it this season. And he's shown himself to be a very, very talented trainer. He's had two horses placed in the guineas, the 1,000 guineas and the 2,000 guineas in Ireland this season. Uh, he, he's a trainer who is only improving, and this is probably going to be his biggest year. And with King Power coming in to buy this horse, a 30,000 euro yearling, I think he was 14,000 as a foal, you can be damn sure he's gone for a whole lot more now. Uh, this is a very exciting time for him, and he's definitely a trainer to keep an eye on. Oh, he, he's a fabulous horseman. You know, I've, I've known Paddy for over 10 years. Um, like as I was saying on the podcast the other day, I'm, I'm literally looking out in his gallop here, out my out my office window right now, like he's a neighbour of mine. Um, very like such a sharp fella uh, on any aspect of racing now, and just uh, with, with a wonderful reputation as a horseman. You know, in recent years, you know he'd be he'd be pre-training horses for the likes of William Haggis and Sir Mark Prescott, and when you have uh, operators like that willing to send their horses to Ireland just to be pre-trained by by Paddy. It says a lot about the regard he's held in. You know his record of the sales is is exceptional. You know whether it was pin hooking foals to yearlings or yearlings to breezers, and um, he he made a very very ballsy move. You know by by essentially focusing on the training because as everyone knows it's it's a really difficult game no matter where you are. But in Ireland in particular, it's very very difficult to to break into. Uh, to, to to break into the upper echelons of the of the table and and he's on his way you know he has uh, 50 60 horses there at the minute um getting a great uh, bunch of owners involved and he he's getting results uh, in a big way so yeah the future is very bright for paddy and this this fella will be will be a big focus point for him uh, next week clearly and going forward after that as well, you'd imagine. And he will likely be favoured in the race unless that sea of Wesley Ward money comes from Maven, the pick of the uh, horses for Peter T. Fornatel. Just because you're you're only on with us for day three, Peter, uh, we've also previewed day one with us. In terms of Wesley's horses for the rest of the week, who really interests you? Because this is a, a decent team he's bringing over this year. The two best from what I've seen and based on numbers in the USA are Nyabeth, who I think is going to go into the Albany. So that's sort of uncharted territory in a way in terms of uh, I think that's the, the one that he hasn't won. And going six furlongs, I think he wants to prove that he can do it. 
And I think Nyabeth gives him a real chance to do just that. Kimari ran a really big speed figure as well. And it looks like she's going to be heading to the Queen Mary. Some decent prices around for Kimari still. So I'm going to be looking to bet those three, Maven, Nyabeth, and Kimari. And then we'll see what happens from there. But those seem, uh, I'm guessing those have the best chances. But as we've seen in the past with the Ward team, everything he sends out has a chance. So you want to at least consider them. Absolutely. I and mean, we have discussed uh, Kamari already for Wesley Ward uh, on our day two preview uh, with Roy Delargi and with Vanessa Royal, which you can listen to whenever you want and for as long as you want. I uh, don't believe I have to do this. Kevin Blake was right. Corey Nakatani, Jeremy Nasida, 2011, <laughs> Belmont Park, Jamaica Handicap. Jesus Christ. I boxed myself in. <laughs> Why did I think 2010? Damn it! Remember that for the final Forlum Podcast Christmas quiz, which shall return later in the year. Oh, dear. Anyway, we're off to the Ribblesdale Stakes, and we'll start with you, my good friend, Peter T. Fornatal. We've got uh, a number of very interesting horses entered here. We know, of course, that Pink Dogwood, who is still priced up by some bookmakers, does not run, thanks to Aidan O'Brien's stable tour with Kevin Blake on AtTheRaces.com. So Queen Power is heading the betting uh, for King Power Racing. Uh, the retained jockey shall be on board Sylvester D'Souza for Sir Michael Stout she heads the betting around about the 3-1 to one mark right now on at the races you've then got Medina at 5-1 to one, who was disappointing you'd have to say in the Oaks Manuel de Vega uh, we've got Entitled Laverdens Blue and Frankanella may very well turn up for William Haggis we'll have to wait and see uh, your thoughts on the race Peter T. Fornatel there's definitely a lot of ways you can go in here but I give preference right now to Entitle the obvious uh, incredible uh, pedigree angle, but this is one who's just improving and looking like there might be more room for improvement still. And I love the fact that she was held out of the Oaks, presumably with this spot in mind and the thought that Epsom wouldn't suit. I think the price looks pretty enticing. I definitely want your guys' opinion to make sure I'm not uh, jumping into a pool that doesn't have any water in it, but Enable's half-sister and title is the one for me in the Ribblesdale. No, I, absolutely. I thought she ran a stormer in the Museodora for one so inexperienced. Um, you know, just showed showed that inexperience through the race, but produced a very good finishing effort. Um, the form got got a reasonable push in the right direction with, with Frankelina running quite well in the Oaks for one so inexperienced. And I looked at the scope for further improvement there, not just natural improvement, but improvement for the this longer trip as well. Um, is very much there so yeah in, in a ribble sale now that doesn't make loads of appeal to me as a betting race I think that's the way to approach it is look for something that could jump out of the ground improvement wise and I think all the potential is there for entitled to do that okay so is that going to be your final selection Kevin Blake or is there something else that you would like to discuss no in entitled in, in was very much on my short list um, Altair is probably going to run here for Joseph um, not not in, at this similar profile to entitled and doesn't have the same weight of pedigree behind her but um, I think it's fair to say she's improving with each start and while she was quite workmanlike in winning at Goran last time I think she, she got away with the trip that day um, she's crying out for further and while she does need to take a, a fairly hefty step up to compete in a race like this, I think there's there's great scope for her there to take a good step forward um, over this longer trip. Uh, fast ground will suit her well, and you know she'll be a wild sort of price. So if you wanted a a, a, a kind of a, a chancy one at a big big price, um, she could be an option. 
but um, in the main, this isn't a race now to set me a light. I think it, it's ripe for it's ripe for something to jump out of the ground and go and win. But there, there, there's plenty of unexposed fillies here with uh, with big pedigrees and all the potential to do so. It's just a case of sorting out which one which one you prefer to do it. Yeah, and, and talking of pedigrees, just to go back to you, Peter, it was entitled that really interested me. She's never, almost certainly, never going to reach the lofty heights of her former stable companion and half-sister but crucially she skipped the the oaks at epsom and that tends to be i know that it has now been done but it still tends to be overall a good thing to have not raced at epsom to come here that little bit fresher and the eight to one is more than fair in my eyes so we all agree. I mean, that's kind of amazing. There we go. We'll take that. Done. <laughs> solved. The Ribblesdale is solved. Uh, we're going and smashing into Entitled. So at eight to one uh, to get the job done. And uh, not quite following her, foot- in her sister's footsteps, but some way along the way. Uh, Royal Ascot win for like, her. You'd have to say it, it maybe doesn't look the strongest Ribblesdale you'd ever see. I d- that's what I was going to say, Kev. Like if Pink Do- so Pink Dogwood is being rerouted to the Pretty Polly. Um, that's what Aidan O'Brien told you for atheracist.com so when you take out the front two from the Oaks because Annapurna goes to France later in the season she's on break um, Queen Power sets the market and I'm not overly taken with her again cue her winning by five lengths now but I, I'd be yeah, happy does, to take does her Medea on does Medea run? Does, I see she's not priced up by, by all the bookmakers uh, Medea there was a chance, but I, my, my inkling from what John Gosden got, if we try and interpret the great man, was that he wasn't going to run her. Yeah, like it looks to me now, like if she doesn't run, you've Man- Manuel de Vega, who, who ran quite well um, in the Oaks, but like you have Queen Power there, who's rated 100 uh, as your fav. And like you see, I know clearly she's open to more improvement, but uh, it seems to be in the main, like a lot of kind of 100 to 105 fillies with the potential to improve rather than something like Pink Dogwood who's coming in with a real strong piece of, of recent form that you can hang your hat on. You know, Manuel de Vega is probably the pick in that regard. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, as, as Ribblesdale's go now, it just wouldn't be one. You know, of course, some, one of these fillies, like we were saying, with so, with so many unexposed fillies in there that could jump out of the ground. And um, we could come away from it thinking it was a good Ribblesdale, but going into it, based on the evidence we have in front of us, it maybe doesn't look a vintage renewal. Yeah, and in title is a, you know, she's a very inexperienced or she's very lightly raced we still don't know what there is to come but she's been second in an Oaks trial I'd be more than happy to go with her I think that she's a very very interesting runner for John Gosden and you would imagine that she will be considerably shorter on the day which brings us gentlemen to the feature race not just of the day but the feature race of the entire week the Ascot Gold Cup what should be known Whoa. as uh, it should be known as the Gold Cup there we go. The Gold Cup, 20 past four on Sky Sports Racing, over two miles, three furlongs and 210 yards to be absolutely precise about it. Your favorite is, of course, John Gosden's Stradivarius with Frankie Dettori in the saddle yet again. The defending champion is a general six to four shot. We've then got Godolphin's cross counter at nine to two. DXB six to one. Q Gardens for Aidan O'Brien having run a storming race in the Coronation Cup six to one. And then a number of his horses. It looks as though Southern France will be going for the Hardwick Stakes and Capri a 20 to 1 shot for Aiden as well. Uh, Kevin, we'll begin with you. Stradivarius obviously sets an incredibly lofty standard. He was the winner of the staying million last year and he's come out and already won 
the first leg for that. He sets a very, very lofty standard. And it was a strong race last year and he came out on top. Is he one that you want to take on? Um, like you say lofty standard. Like he's clearly the best stayer around and he's proven over the course and distance. But I don't know if he's like one of the best stayers we've seen in the last 20 years or anything like that. You know, he just he's, he's a horse that does enough and probably not much more. And it's a case of whether you believe there is more in the locker there if required. Uh, the thing you'd say is he won the Gold Cup last year in very gritty fashion. He's thus proven over what is quite a unique course and distance in terms of the test that it presents. But what you'd also say is last year, Ordinary St. George wasn't himself. Maybe it wasn't the strongest Gold Cup in behind him that we've ever seen. And on paper, this year's renewal looks stronger. Um, and you could say quite a bit stronger. So his reappearance was grand uh, no better than that for me uh, you can be sure John Goslin would have left a bit to work on there to get him forward um, and close to, to peak condition for this so you couldn't rule out him doing even better here but um, I just I, like I've, I've nothing like I, you can kind of sense I'm probably wanting to throw stones at him but it, it's hard enough to find a big enough one to really try and knock him out with um, so like my, my inclination is rather than just talking him down I'm just going to go fishy fishy for some an each way alternative um, to him and if he goes and wins so be it hopefully my lad will finish second to him but it just wouldn't be a shock to me if, if he was beaten uh, and I'm happy enough to, to go fish around and try and find a sneaky one Is the fishy fishy horse you're going to go for Capri? Asher, look, uh, you know, anyone that was listening to the pod a few months ago will know that he was my fancy for the race coming into the season. But, oh, God, you'd be fairly depressed now with his two runs this season. But, yeah, you'd always three of his comeback run because, you know, Aiden has been fairly straight in saying that, you know, he's a big, gross horse and he was expecting him to need that first run quite badly. He shaped that way. But he came out to a listed race at Leopardstown after that and he was odds on. And you really wanted to see him go and win if he was going to win a Gold Cup. And uh, not only did he not win, you know, he, he was pretty disappointing now. Didn't improve really from his return. Well beaten third. Um, Aiden is, is, you know, is quite encouragingly, I suppose, keeping him very much on this track. He never seems to have wavered in his view that he was a Gold Cup horse. Um, but this will be some training job now to get him to peak and run to, you know, his 120 best uh, in a Gold Cup based on the preparation he's had. So I couldn't, I, I can't retain faith in him to be honest, uh, and, and you look at the rest, the Kew Gardens, they, they've kind of rerouted him down this path, having kind of been inclined to keep him to a mile and a half uh, prior to his, up to his his latest run, where he was maybe a shade unlucky not to win uh, a Coronation Cup. But look, he, he won a ledger. He clearly stays well. Um, will he stay this well? Um, you never really know until you have a goal, but he seems a good candidate to have a shot at it and comes into this race in far better form than Capri. So he has to be respected. But just, and and hold fire now, lads and ladies, until the decks, because he's not a certain runner. But if, if Falcon 8 ran, he'd be interesting, you know. Oh, the master, um, the master, Dermot Weld. Yeah, I, I saw some quotes there from Connections saying that, you know, they're kind of 50-50 at the minute order to let him take his chance. But... Uh, you know, as we're saying, look, the Gold Cup is such a unique test that it would be hard to be bullish about one really relishing it before you see them try it. But this fella looks as slow as a funeral. Uh, he looks like a real stayer, um, always has. And, you know, his run at Leopardstown last time, he finished, you know, well in front of Capri 
and you wouldn't have fancied him finishing in front of anything kind of with, with four furlongs to run but it's just his nature he comes off the bridle a long way out and finishes off very strongly and you could see him really relishing the Gold Cup test he, he's improved with every single start um, you know he should be okay on the ground and I'd love to see him take his chance because I think he, he's a really really strong stayer um, there won't be there won't be well there's pretty much no other race like the Gold Cup in terms of a stamina test so I'd love to see him given the opportunity to 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 go and see show what he can do in it. He's a wild old price. Um, he he's very much under the radar. He he isn't a horse that would have come to loads of people's attention. I don't think in terms of in the context of the Group One racing. Uh, and yeah, like if he lined up, I think he'd be a, a super each way alternative to the Fab. And he's by Galileo, so you know he's going to be teak tough as well, Kev. Uh, but it's just a matter of. Home. He's a three parts brother to a free eagle. Yes, he is. Uh, which, of course, Tom Well, absolutely loved. And um, Pat Smollen has been supporting quite a bit in in his new life, uh, which we, we wish him well. And we'll be speaking to him soon in the podcast. But he's a fascinating runner. He's very inexperienced, you could say. There's probably a lot more to come. And uh, on at the races right now, I can see he's 25 to 1. So. Hi-o. Nice old shooting there. In terms of a guaranteed runner, Kev. Who would you be siding with? Um, like, I've nothing against cross counter, really. You know, you'd have to be very impressed with what he did in the Melbourne Cup. Um, he made somewhat hard work of it uh, out in Dubai there, in the, the Dubai, uh, what's it called? The Dubai Gold Cup. Yes. Um, but, like, he's solid. He, he, he's been trained for this race, one would imagine. You know, again, you can't be sure he'd stay, but you know the strength with which he finished the the Melbourne Cup, you'd be very hopeful, and he kind of grounded out over two miles um, at Maidan, so you, you'd be pretty hopeful he'd stay. Uh, ground won't be a problem. He's just a, he's a very classy horse. Like he whomped the likes of DXB um, last year over shorter trips. You know, he, he's a pretty high level performer, and you know I think you wouldn't. Like there's a couple of solid ones against Stradivarius now cross counter would be one but he, I, I consider him very solid DXB is a lovely likeable horse um, shapes like a real stayer in the making and has been impressive uh, particularly uh, last time I thought he grounded out very well at Sandown so like th- he's got solid opposition Stradivarius he really does and you know but but probably rather than going down the road of, of cross counter DXB or Q Gardens I'm just inclined to take an even bigger swing you know, because I don't want, I, I wouldn't throw too many stones at any of those three alternatives to the Fav, but I just want a bigger bang for me buck. And uh, and Falcon 8 is at the price he is, kind of represents that bang. Kev, as a race planner breeder at the age of five, Stradivarius is now. So we've seen some mighty horses in this race, and I strongly recommend that you read about one of my favorite flat horses of all time, Yates beautiful piece done for at the races.com and the royal ascot mega site by our friend and colleague rory delargi it's well worth reading just to take a trip down memory lane but it was quite difficult for aiden o'brien to achieve what he did with him at the age of five being a full horse having had a very busy campaign last year and when you consider what he had to go and do and then to go and do that when he's a 13 to 8 shot you know, as a four-year-old last year, he was he was seven to four favorite, but he's going to be six to four, five to four on the day, probably. Um, 
do, does that doubt come into your mind about going back to Ascot on good ground over two mile four? Yeah, he's done it before, but God, he had a lot last year. Is he going to really want to go and go through that pain barrier again? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, Yates made it look easy, but um, that was probably one of, if not Aidan O'Brien's finest training achievements of his career. You know, that was not easy. Uh, it was made look easy, but you know that horse was two steps away from a savage in the in the latter part of his career. You know he was it was a very hardy horse to deal with, and um, it was a big big effort to get him to come back again and again and retain his enthusiasm. And you know to be fair, since then, like we've had a couple of false dawns, haven't we? Yeah, God, yeah, fame and glory. Well, he's you know, he's he the won, obvious one when he won Kevin, the gold he? when he won the gold cup. You know we thought, oh, there we go, he's going to win five gold cups. Yeah, and uh, of course he never won another. Um, he was uh, odds know, like, on. He was odds on the year he was beaten by by Colorvision, and he was hammered. And uh, he's passed away since as, as a stallion, and and he's in the he's very much in demand as a jump stallion. But um, well, he's dead now. He's not well, in demand he, anymore. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but his his progeny that is on the ground is in demand, and it's a shame that he, he was only eleven when he died, which is a real shame. But he went through the pain barrier that day. He only won another two races afterwards and and he he had a number of them and it's just he was never the same it, it, that really took it out of him yeah it's tough but to be fair to Stradivarius like there was nothing in his return to say that there's an issue in that regard but you know the gold cup is just another step on again and when you have to really go into the red zone that's when you find out so um it's 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 a variable it's something you have to consider but based on york it's, i don't think it's something you could you could weight too heavily I think at this stage mm. Leading Light's another one like he won and then ended up picking up an injury uh, and, and never raced again he is standing at stud but Order of St. George obviously you know winner and then not quite the same afterwards it's just it's, it's an interesting one if he does it he's got the heart of a lion and he's an absolute superstar um, Peter when you look at this race it's got a proper international feel we don't have a Vizirabad but we do have the Melbourne Cup winner in cross counter he would have been fascinating in the St. Ledger last season, but wasn't qualified to run being a gelding. So Melbourne was on the agenda. He won. He's gone to Dubai uh, for his owners. And as Kevin said, wasn't impressive, but he's still gone and won. Beautiful pedigree out of a King Mambo mare by a Teofilio. He'd be my idea of the each way play here. The scumbag each way bet would be cross counter for me. For you, how do you want to play the Gold Cup? I get it. I get what you're saying. I really like Falcon 8 as a long shot. I think I like Q Gardens more than you guys do based on the strong form from last season and the form this year. I mean, the first race easily excused. And then Kevin alluded to the Coronation Cup being very impressive. And when you look at it on the clock, came home those last three furlongs faster than anybody. So to me, I'm looking at one who should improve for the third race of the season, should improve, I think, for the distance. I'm pretty interested at the price and... I think that you're going to be getting value because there are so many other ways to go. Q Gardens is the one for me of those at the of the top of the market. Again, like you, you guys have nailed it with Stradivarius. You can't really what can you say against a horse that wins every time? But I just don't think is going to represent any value. Cross Counter is a really good tough horse, but so much name recognition. I'm not sure there's going to be enough in the way of price. And I'll throw one other uh, potential long shot in here if if he shows up. Called to the ball has some interesting form uh, over in France, and I'm assuming it's just going to be a huge number. 
and feels like one that should go well on the ground and the distance isn't a problem and and might just be a huge, huge number to mess around if you don't want to go into the, the if you want to go above the single digits here which i wouldn't blame anybody for wanting to do a son of henry the navigator running over two mile four a, Rylas, a, a one mile Rylasco winner running over two mile four it's an interesting shout and uh, he's got some very smart form as you say in France you can watch all that back on at the races.com uh, he's very very interesting very very interesting are we giving any chance to Magic Circle Kev? Well, you couldn't ignore him he's a very talented horse but um, wasn't on my shortlist and just finally have we not have you and I not paid enough respect to Kew Gardens? I'm kind of a bit <laughs> thrown. You clearly fancy him. Just back him if you fancy him. I don't mind. <laughs> no, I'm kind of thrown by him because I had in my head started the season that he was going to be a King George horse. And I, in my view, Haley Moore, turn off the podcast. Ryan really should have won the Coronation Cup. Like the more you look it back, I, I think he just got caught. He had to go out on the outside and things didn't fall to plan. Um, but he's he's the winner of that race in my mind. He's the better horse, and it just seems like an extreme reaction to go up in this distance. This didn't seem to be the way they were thinking initially. Capri was the Gold Cup horse, and now that's all been thrown out the window, and they turn up here. Like, am am I wrong about that? Was was uh, was the cups on the agenda for him, or were they determined to go mile four with him? Uh, mile four seemed to be the plan at the very outset of the season, but uh, you know he's a ledger winner. So the option of going up and trip was always there if a mile four didn't work out. And uh, ultimately, as well as he ran last time, he's been beaten twice. So it isn't a shock that they've kind of changed tack. Uh, but so, yeah, that's it. Look, and he, he looks a strong candidate, to be fair, but it's just an unknown until, until we see him over the trip. Make room, Peter. I'm joining you on the Kew Gardens train. Uh, final, <laughs> final selections for the Ascot, for the Gold Cup at Ascot. Peter. <laughs> Give me Kew Gardens. I'll take a bit of Q Gardens as well in a reverse forecast with cross counter. Screw you, Frankie. Uh, Kev. <laughs> Falcon 8 at 800 to 1. Happy days. Go on. Go on to Betfair. Ask for 800s and see that some poor sod end up emptying. You, emptying you, might, you might get matched if he doesn't run. If you do get matched, you know you're in trouble. That feckin' Kevin Blake. Uh, right, the the a couple of races to touch on the the handicaps towards the end, lads. Anything that interests you there? Anything on the short list, Kev? Um, we don't have entries yet, but the Britannia, um, I'd, a horse I'd love to see in there is Awe, uh, trained by Willem Haggis, and I saw him win at Newmarket there last week, and he's a horse I've been following. He's always looked like one with an awful lot of ability, um, and he's just he's a big raw horse that has just taken time to kind of put it together he was very heavily fancied for the what's it called uh, the silver bowl at Haydock um, a few starts back and uh, I, I saw him there that day and kind of fell in love with him physically and everything went wrong he got completely smashed up in the early stages it went totally wrong and he still ran quite well considering um, and then they dropped him back to seven at Newmarket I fancied him there and things went wrong I think he's a horse that wants loads of pace in front of him to get covered up to help him to relax and be delivered quite late. Um, he got no cover. He was in front way too soon and he still won anyway um, in a good competitive field. He got six pounds, which he needed to to get in. And typically a Britannia, 90. Well, I say typically. In, re, in the last couple of years, 90 would get you in. He was rated 88, so he needed to to run very, very well or win. And he duly won by a length. So he's off. He's going to get in. 
and Baron, something very odd happens. Um, and a mile at Ascot, loads of pace, loads of cover, um, big galloping track uh, where he can use his, his big action. Um, I think it will show him to really good effect and it uh, wouldn't be a surprise if he can take another good chunk of a step forward. And yeah, I think he's kind of 14, 16 to one. And that would do for me. I just hope he's entered because the one small concern you have, I suppose, is that it's coming a little bit quick. Um, he's had three runs in the last month already so he's being busy as long as this doesn't come too quickly you'd be quite keen on him and hopefully he does get the entry uh peter anything on your list from the ATR tracker yeah as you've probably noticed when i get into these handicaps i get a little bit out of my depth but then it becomes a case of it's not what you know it's who you know so i did put a little shout out to my friend uh, rob dove one of the top 10 pro punters in the uk today (laughs) man who loves his sectionals and he did have one for the britannia he mentioned migration as one who uh, the trainer's great at bringing the handicappers along through the season and one that did well to win off a slowish pace last time from the rear. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with Dove and migration in the Britannia, uh, taking notes of Kevin's thoughts as well. Mr. Dove's hard work gets stolen, put on the final (laughs) furlong podcast by our main man, Peter T. Fornital, but at least he names, at least he name checks. I quite like that. I like that indeed. Uh, Let's get stuck in. I'm going to go with you in terms of best bets and get stuck into Wesley Ward in the opening race in the Norfolk. Um, I'm I'm sold, Peter T. Fornital. I'm sold, my friend. Uh, In terms of your best bet for the day, is it that as well? Are you going with Wesley Ward? I, I really do like that ward runner, and I will be betting Maven, but if you make me pick one on the day, I think Entitle, if she can only carry the extra weight on her back of the three of us, the, the Rivalsdale should be within the sights. Kevin Blake? Bombproof in the Norfolk. Boom, boom. Oh, the fond farewell for Jeremy Nasida. Uh, and obviously, Entitle has got to go in there as well. I think you've, you've pr- probably got a, a lucky... 31, lucky 15, lucky 69 that you can get stuck into there if you would like from our selections. Uh, every race live on Sky Sports Racing, you can get all the information that you require on addtheraces.com including the fantastic race cards that the team have um, and plenty of brilliant previews as well along the way, all on the Ascot mega site or on At The Races itself. Uh, that's day three, done and dusted. Peter T. Fornatel, I'll be watching you on Sky Sports Racing pumped to the eyeballs full of painkillers and doing some radio work enjoy it my man and have as many pins as you possibly can not till the camera gets shut off at the end of the day i think that's (laughs) going to be my rule for self-control but yeah really looking forward to seeing people out there and if you're a final furlong listener and you happen to see me wandering about please come and say hello always a pleasure to spend time with you guys and happy to return the favor and have you guys as part of my uh, Royal Ascot Monster Pod, we're calling it, for, for uh, my show, the In The Money Players Podcast. Thanks, guys, very much. I'm looking forward to that cameo as well, which you can hear on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcast app. Kevin and I make a, a cameo appearance on the show. Kevin, you're there for all five days, but crucially, you're back with me uh, to preview days four and days five so we will talk to you a little bit later on my friend good luck listen to all the previews on your podcast app rate and subscribe if you wouldn't mind as well and thank you very much for listening we'll talk to you soon god bless have you downloaded the free app the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting it's the app that no racing fans phone should be without available for free on your iphone or android mobile Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.